0: in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen. Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women blessed is the fruit of thy womb Jesus. Saint Paul in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen. So today we continue are um, with this second talk about St. Paul especially his epistles we go through, and we are going to finish hopefully the, um, all the story of his life to help us to understand better who was St. Paul and why did he wrote so many letters which are for us a treasure in the teaching of the church along his first missionary trip, Saint Paul made contact with this pagan world, this world that God reserved for his conquest through the powerful predication of his base of election, Saint Paul. In the first talk of this series about the Apostle of the Gentiles and his doctrine, we were introduced to know a bit more about him and his personality his education and religious background, and we understood how St. Paul received the light of the faith on Damascus Way, how he learned everything from God. Because of the time running out, we stopped after his first missionary trip across Anatolia and his decisive inputs for the Council of Jerusalem. Moses' law being formally abolished for the newly baptized Christian, that was the decision of the Council of Jerusalem. Council of Jerusalem, sorry. It was time for Saint Paul to start again his missionary trips. From his first trip, from during his first trip, he saw the souls in distress, their great spiritual needs, but also how powerful the word of the gospel could be for these people drawn into the spiritual darkness of paganism. He also knew how much was the cost to be paid to gain all these conversions, sufferings in his own flesh, tithes, persecution, thorns into his soul. But he knew that to produce life in this soul, death had to be active in him. And we start the first the, the second missionary trip, which is related for us in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter fifteen to eighteen. Through this second missionary trip, which is probably one of the longest, Saint Paul visited the city, left Antioch, as usual, went to Tarsus, is now na- his homeland, the city where he was born. Then Derby, Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Caesarea, Jerusalem, and finally came back to Antioch. The first intention of St. Paul was to visit again the first Christian communities he founded during his first journey. Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit our brethren in all the cities wherein we have preached the word of the Lord, to see how they do." Barnabas accepted without hesitation, but he wanted to take with them his cousin Mark, this same Mark that, if you remember, who renounced to follow St. Paul across Anatolia during the first trip, and came back to Jerusalem while St. Paul and Barnabas were continuing their predication. But Saint Paul refused that Saint Mark came with them. And because of that, Barnabas left him to go back to Cyprus, his country. Saint Paul went alone to Cilicia and started his mission again. From that point, we don't know anything else about Barnabas from the act of the apostles. But we cannot forget here all the things he did for the church at the very beginning. Since the very first days, he sold all his belongings and gave it to the apostles. It's also him, Barnabas, who introduced St Paul to the apostles and to the church when they were slightly reluctant about his conversion. This apparent argument of one hour was to contribute the expansion of the preaching of the gospel across the mediterranean sea barnabas and mark would go to cyprus saint paul would be the tireless pilgrim of the gospel across asia minor and Greece. instead of having his old companion saint paul took with him silas silas was one of the prophets of the church of jerusalem He was sent from Jerusalem to Antioch and known from the Jewish people. This quality would make easier the accordance with the converted Jews, and his privilege of Roman citizenship would be a guarantee in the official world Hellenistic and Roman. Saint Paul never abandoned the Christian communities he founded. He started his new journey with the visit of these communities. When he arrived in Debris and Lystria, he met a disciple named Th- Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who became Christian and of a Greek father. As he had good reputation, Saint Paul decided to take Timothy with him to help him in his mission. He gave him the circumcision Strange fact, isn't it? But don't get it wrong. Nothing here is in contradiction which was what, which with what was decided during the council of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, St. Paul refused to give the circumcision to Titus to affirm the freedom of the pagans who converted. But for Timothy, who was born of a Jewish mother, He should have received circumcision at birth. In order to not be seen as a renegade and to be able to enter the synagogues with St. Paul, Timothy was given the circumcision. In those circumstances, as in many others, St. Paul acts himself as a Jew amongst the Jews. After visiting the first Christian communities he founded during his first travel, they went up north of Asia Asia Minor, around Galatia and Bithynia. We don't have many reports in the Acts of the Apostles about the predication of the Gospel in Galatia, but the epistle to the Galatian is giving us a quick overview of how well welcomed was the Apostle and how the relationships with the Galatians were full of gratitude and paternal confidence. And we can hear a quote, a, a short excerpt from the, uh, from, from the epistle to the Galatians in chapter 4. Be ye as I, because I, I also am as you brethren, I beseech you. You have not injured me at all, and you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel to you heretofore, and your temptation, my flesh, you despised not not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then your blessedness? For I bear you witness that if it could be done, you would have plucked out your own eyes and would have given them to me. The predication of the gospel to the Galatians was mentioned only with only with only few words in the Acts. Obviously, like Saint Paul, Saint Luke, who wrote the Acts, as we know, is moving quickly towards Macedonia, and the Holy Spirit is also pushing Saint Paul. And a vision was shown to Paul in the night which was the man of Macedonia standing and visiting him and saying, pass over into Macedonia and help us. The mission in Macedonia, which starts with this divine appeal, was reserving to St. Paul some of his greater joys of his apostolate, joys that that will mostly be paid with a lot of sufferings and persecution. All of his conquest here, like everywhere, was paid. Were paid at high cost. But in Macedonia, the apostle was less contested and less fought. He never found in any other place than Philip's in Thessalonica an attachment to him which would be so devoted and faithful. Until that moment of the predication of the apostle the greatest obstacle to his predication was the hostility of the Jews. In, in Philippi, sorry, difficulties came from other situations. Saint Paul had to deal directly with the demon. A young possessed slave, who was predicting the future with a certain financial success for his master, started to follow Saint Paul's predication. And like like for Jesus at his time, she was giving testimony of the truth of his predication. Saint Paul imposed the silence to the demon and freed that young slave from the possession of Satan. We can imagine how the masters were upset with this situation seeing the source of their benefit going away. They accused Saint Paul, Timothy and Silas of preaching another religion. Immediately the leaders of the city, worried with the, about the public order, put them into jail. But during the night, a miracle happened. A earthquake moved the walls of the prison. The door opened and the chains of the prisoners fell by themselves. The guard was so terrified and despair; he was about to commit suicide. But the voice of St. Paul reassured him, as none of the prisoners escaped. Decided with the predication of the apostle, the man requested the baptism. And the day after, the leaders of the city came to free the prisoners. But proudly, St. Paul refused a hidden liberation. There is nothing to see to, to, to be said about the sin itself of pride, because it's not. It was about justice. Because Silas and himself were Roman citizens. They were unjustly treated by the magistrates. And therefore, they requested a public reparation, which was a great success for the, the spreading of the gospel, because they were known of the people. They continued their trip to Thessalonica. This city was the biggest harbor of Macedonia. City of trade, Thessalonica gathered an important Jewish community, and Saint Paul did not ignore that. As per his custom, he addressed these of his race first. For three weeks, on the Sabbath day, Saint Paul and Silas Argued with the Jews about the Holy Scriptures. Through the Bible, the Apostle was showing that the Messiah was to suffer and resuscitate. And then he was giving the evidence that all these divine prophecies were realized by Jesus. The Apostolate of St. Paul in Thessalonica was probably rather long, and the success of the Apostle upset a lot of Jews. They tried to assault the house where he was staying, but finding nobody, they decided to accuse them in front of the master of the city using exactly the same insult that was made against Jesus years ago. These people who are announcing the kingship of Jesus, are they not going against Caesar? Such an accusation was nothing else than high treason. And after such a warning, a longer stay would have been very imprudent. And without delay, during the night, Paul and his companions went away. Although St Paul was truly desiring to come back to Thessalonica, he had to be careful for a while, and he went to Athens. While he was waiting his companions, the sight of a city full of idols was making him full of anger. The same thing that we admire when we visit the ruins of the temples of the Greek idols. That's the same thing that put St. Paul to anger because he saw where the people were wrong, adoring the demons. He spent a lot of time each Sabbath day chatting with the Jews and using all the time he could have on the agora. The Agora was truly the centre of Athens' life. The place where everybody was, brought by curiosity, politics or business. Despite the concurrency of Alexandria, Tarsus or Antioch, Athens was the homeland homeland of bright speakers. Philosophers were hearing about St Paul. But because he was not a Greek, they contempt him. And hearing him speaking about Jesus and the resurrection, they were only imagining he was propagating the worship of a new idol. They dragged him to the famous place of Athens, the Areopagus. And the herald of Christ could not miss such opportunity that was offered to him. Taking as a starting point the scripture upon an altar is spotted alongside a visit of the city, is said, For passing by and seeing your idols, I found an altar also on which was written to the unknown God. What therefore you worship without knowing it, that I preach to you, God who made the world and all things therein, he being Lord of heaven and earth. Dwelleth not in temples made with hands. As the Jews were remembering about the traditions, the Greek loved about their philosophers and artists. St. Paul understood that more than anyone else. For the Jews, St. Paul was calling to their memory about the remembrance of Israel. For the Greek, after observing their religion, he reminds them that. He reminded them all these religious principles that the philosophers and poets acknowledged. His predication at the Areopagus was followed until he arrived to the resurrection of the death, and then the smile. In no other place in Athens the fruits of his apostolic work were so weak. What a deception. In many other places, St. Paul founded local churches, but in Athens, nothing. A few general souls came to him, but not enough, to found a real church. St. Paul himself made a comment, <coughs> made a comment about this sea. And we can find that in the first epistle to the Corinthians. For the word of the cross, to them indeed that perish, is foolishness. But to them that are saved, that is to us, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the prudence of the prudent I will reject. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Fourthly, seeing that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God that by the foolishness of our preaching to save them them that believe. In these few words, we can find the condemnation of the blindfold and contempt wisdom of the Athenians, but also all the Program of the predication to, of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. For a traveller who was coming from Athens to Corinth, he, had, he, had, he could have the same kind of impression we could have when we travel from Oxford to London. From the university city, where everything is concentrated in its colleges, we are thrown into the agitation of a city and harbour. Athens was nothing more than a university university city, but it was keeping all the pride and the decorum. They rejected the predication of St. Paul, and for a long time, Athens remained one of the most dangerous centers of the pagan opposition to Christianity. Corinth, was one of the most important centers for business in the Mediterranean Sea. It was no longer a Greek city, as a lot of people from Italy were living there as well as Oriental. The original people from Greece were only a small part of the population. Due to that situation, the biggest obstacle Saint Paul had to encounter in Corinth was the degeneration of the civilization only the grace from christ could win the answers of saint paul to the corinthians are giving us a small overview of where they were coming from saint paul wrote to his faithful do not mix with immodest people but corinthians were answering therefore we need to go out of this world but the Apostle patiently explained them that it was, it was not forbidding any relationship with sinners, but forbidding to tolerate them into the church, requesting their conversion. A lot of people came there to St. Paul to receive the baptism. But as he knew, all these conversions were never happened without a lot of sufferings before and during. In Corinth, like anywhere else, most of the difficulties came again from the Jews, alongside with the license of moral. For 18 months, St. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth, but also in the cities around. The Jews, jealous with because of the success of St. Paul's predication, dragged him in front of the proconsul <coughs> They dragged him in front of the proconsul who was the brother of the Roman philosopher Seneca as many Romans he was on contempt for the Jews and his answer, reported in the Acts of the Apostles his answers to the Jews is demonstrating it quite clearly They are not rejected only from their complaints, but the proconsul explained them that Rome is not to intervene in their religious quarrels. Through this judgment, the brother of Seneca was giving freedom, official public freedom to Christian propaganda. This is a very important point. The public, the political authority gave a sort of permission for the Christianity to spread the gospel across the world, the known world. As he was not protected but allowed to say, Saint Paul used this freedom to stay longer in Corinth. And finally, after these 18 months he spent, He went by boat to Ephesus, and from there to Caesarea and Jerusalem, where he greeted the church church, and came back to Antioch, where where he rests a little while before before starting his third trip. This third trip, which is told in the Acts of the Apostles to us through the chapter 18 to 21, it's the second longest trip of St. Paul. And he visited again the same cities of Antioch, Tarsus, Iconium, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, Speria, Philippi, Troas, Tere, Caesarea, Joppa, and Jerusalem. He visited again the first Christian communities he founded during his first missionary trip we can see here how much he cared for the Christian he left before. From Antioch, he went to Tarsus, Lystria and Antioch in Phrygia. And after seeing them, he went to Ephesus again. During the first century of our era, Ephesus was the capital of the proconsular Asia. One of the most flourishing cities of the empire, so Ephesus, is on the coast of the Aegean, uh, of the uh, of the sea in Tur- the actual Turkey. Ephesus was well known for the beauty of its monuments, such as the Artemision, the Temple of Diana, one of the seven, seven wonders of the world of the Antique world. I mean. The theatre, which was up, up, up the city, could contain up to 23,000 people. As soon as he arrived in Ephesus, St. Paul found people he thought were Christians. But asking them about the Sacrament of Confirmation, he realized that those people were not, who were calling themselves Christians were not even baptized. They didn't know about the existence of the Holy Ghost and, therefore, of the Holy Trinity. They were baptized, but with the penitential baptism of John the Baptist. Without the belief in the Holy Trinity, there is no Christian baptism, because by the authority of Christ, baptism is given in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The apostles completed their instruction, baptized them, and confirmed them. After his apostolate in Ephesus, Saint Paul went to Troas and Philippi and to Thessalonica. We don't know very much from the Acts of the Apostles about, the part, about that part of the trip. We know he celebrated the feast of Easter in Philippi, and after that they crossed again the Detroit. And went to Ephesus again in the same trip and Miletus. One interesting thing to notice is what happened in Ephesus. A riot started again. A a riot started against the Apostle because the business of the little statues of Diana, Artemis the goddess, I mean, therefore an idol, was threatened through the numerous conversion encouraged by the predication of the Apostle. The ri- this riot deserves our attention because really, it, really, it revealed the apostolic action of Saint Paul and its fecundity. The first time, around the year 52, when the Apostle arrived in Ephesus, he didn't find any Christians. That was the end of his second, second trip when he came back a year after he found a dozen of people who were converted these he instructed and after two three years so the end of the of the third trip the progress of christianism was so quick and so powerful that the idol makers felt threatened in their business saint paul testified himself in the second epistle to the corinthians about that For we would not have you ignorant, brethren, of our tribulation, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above our strength, so that we were weary even of life. But we had in ourselves the answer of death, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raised the dead, who has delivered and doth deliver us out of so great danger in whom we trust that he will yet also deliver us. St. Paul left Ephesus because of the riot. Once more, he seemed to escape and be like a fugitive in front of his enemies. He left Ephesus as he left Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, or Corinth. Instead of understanding these flu, this this flight, instead of understanding these are the flu from the danger, we should, we should see instead the tireless missionary who living behind him established churches was leaving to found new churches. All the epistles we have in the Bible to the Thessalonians, the Philippians, to the Corinthians. Are giving a testimony of the vigilant authority St. Paul is continuously having above his disciples. He is not escaping, he is keeping a watch from a distance. The conclusion of this third trip across the sea and Greece finished to Caesarea, where St. Paul stayed a little while and then he came to Jerusalem. In order to demonstrate his faith to the law and the teaching of the gospel, and also to purify himself, he made the vow of being a Nazarite. Nazarites come from the Hebrew word Nazir, meaning consecrated or separated. Those who put themselves under a Nazarite vow do so by adding unto themselves a degree of sanctity, as it says, "Until the time is completed, he shall be holy. A person who puts himself under a Nazareth bow, without designating how long he intends to remain as such, is obligated in order to take Nazareth scriptures for a period of 30 days. This bow required the person to observe the following scriptures: Abstain from all wine and anything else made from the grape wine plant. Refrain from cutting the hair of one's head, but to allow the locks of the head's hair to grow. Not to become ritually impure by contact with corpse or graves, even those as family members. After following these requirements for a designated interval, which would be specified in the individual vows. The person who may who would make three offerings: a lamb as a burnt offering, a new as a sin offering, and a ram as a peace offering. In addition to a basket of unleavened bread, grain offerings, and drink offerings, which accompany the peace offering. He would also shave his head in the outer courtyard of the temple in Jerusalem, and then he would place the hair on the same fire of the peace offering. This word Nazir appears first in the Hebrew Bible in Genesis chapter forty-nine, verse twenty-six, which speaks of the blessings given to Joseph by his father Jack, Jacob. The word is translated in English, prince, which is which could be inaccurate. Jacob used the term because Joseph spent time in forced isolation from his family to fulfill the will and plan of God, making Joseph a Nazareth before the laws of Moses and thereby implying that there was no sin attached to his status by Jacob. ...who was describing how blessed Joseph was of the God of his fathers? There's nothing to... I, I thought it was interesting to know what was this bow of Nazareth. That's why I took that long explanation. And here starts the third trip. The last trip of St. Paul, which is related by the Acts of the Apostles from chapter, chapter 21 to 23... And this trip is to Rome, and St. Paul will be a prisoner. St. Paul, as we just said before, made this vow of Nazareth to be clean of all reproaches the Jews were continuously making to him. Following the advice of the priests of Jerusalem, and also of St. James the Apostles, the first bishop of Jerusalem, He made himself all for all to avoid the scandal of the week. This vow of Nazareth was usually concluded, as we said, with offerings in the temple of Jerusalem. But his presence inside the sacred temple did not please some other people. They accused him without any other evidence to bring inside the temple somebody who did not receive the circumcision. St. Paul was dragged out by a crowd, ready to kill him. But from the palace of the governor, which was just above the temple, Roman soldiers were watching. They arrested St. Paul and brought him inside the fortress. St. Paul requested the privilege to speak to the people which was granted to him in his speech wisely saint paul addressed the crowd a defense of himself claiming that his entire life was under the sign of the law he made himself persecutor of christians and nothing more than an apparition of jesus on damascus way was needed to change him in damascus It's an authentic Jew who introduced him into the church. And in the same temple of Jerusalem, a vision confirmed his mission towards the Gentile. The only mention of the Gentile was enough to start again the protest. And the Roman governor, not understanding a word of St. Paul's speech, thought that by scourging him, He will obtain some more answers. But Saint Paul said, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? Which the centurion hearing went to the tribune and told him, saying, What are they about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. And the tribune coming said to him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? But he said, Yes, and the tribune answered, I obtained the being free of this city with a great sum." And Paul said that I was born so. Immediately therefore they departed from him that were about to torture him. The tribune also was afraid after he understood that he was a Roman citizen and because he had bound him. The day after, to understand better that quarrel, the tribune ordered St. Paul to come and fake the Tanigrim and to explain himself. St. Paul, knowing the disputes between Pharisees and Sadducees, spoke about the resurrection of the dead and said, Is it because I'm preaching about the resurrection of a dead man, speaking of Jesus, that I'm under trial? And this only question was enough to start, again, a violent discussion between the two parties. The tribune, hearing that the ferocious debate was... <coughs> sorry. Start again. The tribune, hearing at that ferocious debate, found that the only solution to protect the apostle was to put him under custody. During the night, Jesus appeared to his disciple to comfort him and told him he will bring the gospel to Rome. Still under custody, St. Paul was sent to Caesarea. And the high priest, Anania, with a few priests of the temples as well as a barrister, came together to complain about St. Paul to Felix, who was the procurator of Judea. So if you remember, who was the procurator was Pontius Pilate before him, so that same role. The high priests and his companions presented Saint Paul as an agitator of the people, a defiler of the temple, and the chief of the Nazarene sect. More or less the same accusation that was made by the sanitary against Jesus, if you remember. But St. Paul answered to Felix and the high priest in the same way as he did in Jerusalem. His only crime, as he already proclaimed, was his belief into the resurrection of Christ. After a few times spent in custody in Caesarea, St. Paul finally appealed for the justice of the emperor. And although everybody there was convinced of him being innocent, as he called to Caesar, he was no longer in the power of procurator to stop the trial. St. Paul boarded a ship to go to Rome as a prisoner, but before he left, he preached the gospel until the very end. He said it's because of the hope of Israel that he was carrying these chains. To those who do not believe these last words of the apostles before left his homeland, Saint Paul is opposing only one word. When did the Holy Ghost speak to your fathers by Isaiah's prophet, saying, Go to these people and say to them, with the ear you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For the heart of these people is grown gross, and with their ears have they heard heavily, and their eyes they have shut. Lest perhaps they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. This prophecy is concluding the book of the Act of the Apostles. This prophecy of Isaiah was also quoted by Jesus to the crowds of Galilee when he was preaching in parable about the kingdom of God. And St. John the evangelist will remind it by the end of his Gospel. But this hardening of the heart of the Jews will not be made without any compensation. God will not be frustrated in his glory. The message of the Gospel rejected by Israel would be received by the Gentiles. And here is finishing the Acts of the Apostles. All the rest we have about the life of St. Paul is known through other sources. Some of, from his epistle from what we can understand and some others from <laughs> uh, the book of history from that time. And the, of course the Apostolic Tradition. During two years, St. Paul was kept in custody in Rome. Although he was not kept in public jail, as he was living in a house he rented, he was still carrying chains and, and watched by soldiers night and day. He could not preach anymore in synagogues. He could not visit anymore his friends. And anyone he wanted to meet or wanted to meet him, they had to come to him. This was obviously a great suffering. But Paul, being prisoner of Christ, acquired a new authority. His mission was no longer contested as it was. At the price price of his freedom, he bought the liberty for the pagans. Moreover, this captivity in Rome became an advantage for the predication of the gospel. All the soldiers, who were watching him all along these two years were privileged witnesses of all these meetings and all knew about Christ. That's what Saint Paul is saying in the epistle to Philemon whom whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered to me in the hands in the bands of the gospel. The Christian in Rome were encouraged because he was in chains. And several letters were written during this captivity, such as the the epistle to the Colossians or the Philippians. After a total of four or five years in prison, and that includes the time he spent in custody in Caesarea and Jerusalem, St. Paul was made free. It's highly probable he went to Spain to bring the Gospel there But he also visited again all the communities in Macedonia, Crete, and then of course Corinth During this last trip he established several new bishops such as Timothy and Titus He knew that the time was pressing and the worry about the future was becoming more worrying more pressing for him all these churches saint paul was the father were about to be taken off his support they were in need to be taken care by faithful pastors who would maintain the work of the apostle and christ once more in the teaching of saint paul the double aspect of the authority and the spirit is shown there is a tradition a deposit which is received in obedience and faithfully transmitted. This deposit is living, animated by the Holy Ghost, who communicates to each baptized people and to the entire Church, light and life. Around the year 64, St Paul is arrested again in Rome, but this captivity will not shine as well as the first one. The persecution of Nero the Emperor scared and pushed to revolt even the enemies of Christianity. Hurt by this barbarian rage, the Roman Church remains quiet. Of course he is not dead, and we will see it raising up soon. Only eternal hope is supporting Saint Paul from now. Here on earth is not waiting he is not waiting anything. But only death. For I am even now ready to be sacrificed, and the time of my dissolution is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. As to the rest, there is laid up for me a crown of justice, which the Lord, the just judge, will render to me in that day. And not only to me, but to them also, that love is coming. Make haste to come to me quickly. As we know, Saint Paul was beheaded as he was a Roman citizen, just outside of the wall of the city of Rome. Upon the place of his martyrdom is now built a basilica, known as Saint Paul of the Three Contains, because when severed from Paul's body his head bounced and struck the hearth in three different places, from which contains sprung. These are still flowing today, and are located in the sanctuary as the last living testimony of St. Paul's powerful teaching across the 2,000 years of the history of the Church. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, it was in the beginning, it's now, and it shall be, will be that, and uh, the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost.